Timothy and find chapter 2. Without our media this morning, you're not going to have the luxury of following on the big screen. Uh, So that is where we're going to be for this morning. And uh, just to orientate you, we're going to be doing a two-part series over the next two weeks just to start us off for the year. And then uh, we know this time of the year, right? It's uh, reflection. We look back. We look ahead. Uh, all our social media posts are, you, you know, looking at uh, resolutions. Some people are thinking about those kinds of things. You are contemplating. You've reflected on the year that was, and you're looking ahead to the year that is. Uh, most of us have had some kind of downtime, uh, a little bit of holiday. Uh, school has been on break. Varsity has been on break. Uh, the school terms, all of that kind of stuff has been on break, and, and we are uh, busy processing and thinking through uh, this next year. So here is a question to start us off with this morning. How many of you want a better year this year? Right, so you want a better 2020 than uh, what 2019 was. Right, it's a no-brainer. Even if you had the most cracking year last year, you would want a better year this year. Right? Uh, We all want to experience better for ourselves. We all want to experience better in um, our careers, in our studying, in our family. We all want to experience something better. Right? I want to have a better 2020 than what was 2019. It was a rough year for many of us. Not everyone. There are a few exceptions. But a lot of us are very glad 2019 is done and dusted, that we can try and pick up the pieces and get into the year that is ahead. But how does that happen? How does having a better year happen? Well, quite simple. If you want to declutter your house, right? we all have that room. Some of us have multiple rooms, right? How does, how does the decluttering of that room happen? Simple. We take some boxes, we roll up our sleeves, and we do the hard work of sorting and throwing away and packing those boxes, then putting those boxes not into the garage or the other room, but into the car and actually taking them to the charity shop or the dump or wherever those things are going, and then... You have decluttered your home. You make it happen by engaging in the process of decluttering your home. You want to renovate your kitchen like you have been promising your wife since you got married. How does that happen? You take out the toolbox, you measure, you get the shelving, you do the drilling, and then you pack everything away, and you have done the work of remodeling your kitchen. I know it sounds uh, very simple, but you have to engage In the process of remodeling your kitchen, you actually have to get the things out and do it. And this is something that we we, we think around our faith, that uh, we become better Christians, we mature in our faith, we um, things progress because it's just this magic thing that happens, right? I become a Christian and all the problems in my life are supposed to disappear, And we know that's not the truth. We know that when it comes to our faith, that there's this dynamic thing that happens. And we talk about this often here at Riverside. 
That we cannot be passive as believers. That God is so gracious to us, he's so powerful in the way that he works in and through us with his salvation. But the amazing thing about our faith is that it's this dynamic two-way thing that we get to engage in. And so I want to encourage us this morning. I'm not into resolutions, but I do like words. And uh, if our PowerPoint was working, there would be a word up on the screen. And the word would be engage. That if you want things to happen in your life and in your faith, it's not going to happen unless we take a a, a, a progressive and active engagement into those things in our life, especially our faith. And so... Um, I know I told you to get into 1 Timothy, but here are just two verses to kind of set more of a tone for us. Because our faith is not supposed to be static or stagnant. The fact is that as believers, our faith, by nature of being in a relationship with Jesus, is supposed to be progressive. A year has rolled on. We're all going to be one year older this year. Sorry about that. I know some of us don't like hearing that. We're a year older. We're a year softer around the edges. Some of us are going to be a little bit slower this year as age takes its toll. You know, just by nature, we get older. Things wear out. uh, We get a little bit more frail. These things happen. It's a natural progression in life, except with our faith. That is never supposed to regress, but only progress. I love what it says here in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Write that down if you've got notes so you can reflect on it later. This is uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the great uh, early church leaders writing. And he says this, kind of reflecting on what we have in Jesus and what he has established for us by his death and resurrection. says this, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because of that victory over our greatest enemies of sin and death, because we have the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit in us, the natural progression is that we all become more like Jesus Christ in ever-increasing measure. Right, that is the natural kind of move and trajectory of the believer. Now, if you're not fitting that straight up, please don't feel like I'm going to be beating you up this sermon. I'm just kind of painting the scene. This is what should be happening for every single person who has come to faith in Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be the same year after year. There should be progression. Us coming and reflecting Jesus more and more as we live and engage with him because of the Holy Spirit in us. In another place, Paul at the, uh, reflects on this later on in, in 2 Corinthians. He's kind of at the end of his life and ministry as he's writing these. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Year on year we get older and older, and that's the natural progression of a human being. We are going to uh, eventually die. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our lights and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes 
not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul, kind of unpacking all of this, is that while everything is tough in this world, while everything kind of fades in this world, not our faith, because of our belief in the eternal, so our soul is eternal. And so there is this renewing and this progression and this growth and development of this reflection of Jesus Christ that is ever increasing because of who we are as believers. But that only happens when we engage with the Spirit in us. When we engage with the Lord and all that He has given us, that this progression is really seen. And so I want to put it to you, um, church, this morning. That you take this word engage very seriously. That you make a resolution to yourself that actually I'm going to kick on in my faith. That I'm going to engage with the Lord. Because progression in our faith has nothing to do with your economics. It's got nothing to do with your rage. It's got nothing to do with your gender. It's got nothing to do with your race. It has everything to do with our risen Savior, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that is living in us, that we, every single day, get to reflect the Lord's glory in ever-increasing measure, because that comes from the Spirit. And so we can engage with the Lord and see our faith and our lives be transformed because of who he is and what he has in us. So as an introduction, that is what I want to encourage us with. Can we all say engage? Right, engage. We're going to engage with the Lord. Now, 1 Timothy 2 Verse 8, it's kind of our core text and, and passage. I'm going to work a bit backwards uh, this morning through the passage. So I'm kind of going to go 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, then the front part of that verse, and then through the rest of that passage, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 kind of a thing this morning. All right, so we're engaging with the Lord. We want to be an engaged church as individuals. We want to personally engage more with our dynamic, incredible, risen Savior. And so here we go. Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. First thing, ladies, you are not off the hook because this passage only lists men. You are included in this. But I, I love this image of lifting holy hands without anger or disputing. So everybody just lift up your hands. So just have a look at, at these hands. This is um, what I love so much about this is because uh, our hands are literally and physically an extension of ourselves, Right? Uh, we can't do much without our hands. We have to adapt uh, quite a lot to get through a day without um, the use of our hands. Now, it says here, uh, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. It's interesting that those words are attached to lifting up holy hands. Because... Um, 
I know um, how much the Lord has done in my life when I uh, look back over the years. And uh, I am not a fan of fighting, but having been in an all-boys hostel for a short period of time and being in an all-boys school, I often had to lift up not holy hands, but clenched hands in anger and disputing. This is something that I had to do often, right? Now, if, if we think about our hands... We use these hands for building things, for being creative, for picking up our our, our kids, hugging our loved ones. But I've also smacked a few people with these hands. I once smacked my own teammates in a rugby game, right? That's how often I, I had to do this. When we're angry, what do we often do with these hands? When we get worked up in an argument, what starts to happen? We start to talk with our hands. I've seen it with my kids. When they get angry at each other and they can't solve it with words, what happens? My precious children that you see here often smack each other, right, in anger. Parents, when our kids, our sweet, precious kids, are not behaving, what are we often tempted to do? Smack them, right, these these hands. I know that uh, getting into more sensitive space that there are a lot of women um, and potentially even here who have been on the receiving end of angry husbands because our hands are the, often the execution of the sin that is in our hearts. Think in our country of the rampant rape and murder and theft and greed that exists that's birthed in the heart but executed with the hands. Now, this um, book, 1 Timothy, was written again by Paul, and he was writing this as a personal letter to a 16-year-old pastor by the name of Timothy into uh, a town called Ephesus. Now, Paul started the church there, and he needed to move on, so he puts Timothy as the pastor, seriously, at the age of 16, of this church, and he then left to go on to uh, other assignments, but wrote a letter of encouragement uh, and instruction to young Timothy. Now, Ephesus had um, a very interesting setup. It had one of the most prominent libraries of the ancient world. Uh, Two very interesting facts about the library in Ephesus. One, women were not allowed to enter into that library. And the second interesting thing is the reason women were not allowed to enter into that library is that a secret tunnel from the library to the main brothel of the town. So men would tell their wives, I am going to the library. And unbeknownst to them is they would enter into the library and go through the tunnel and enter into the brothel. So the men of Ephesus were not behaving themselves. They were not living holy lives unto the Lord. They were engaging in sin and Timothy um, had um, his hands full with trying to encourage and get uh, the men in uh, his church to behave themselves. So Paul's instruction to Timothy was rather get the men to lift up holy hands in prayer and worship to the Lord. That if we want to change the way that we were behaving, if we want to engage differently, we need to change behavior. And again, I'm so convinced of this that what is birthed in our hearts is often executed with our hands. 
And so the response to behavior, and if we're wanting to really progress in our faith and engage with the Lord, the answer to that and instruction is I want men everywhere rather to lift up holy hands in prayer and worship to the Lord without anger and dispute. And so again, I want you to look down at your hands and ask yourself this question, are these holy hands? That if I do an audit of my life right now and I look down, I'm going, do these hands honor the Lord? That do I use these hands for the extension of his kingdom, for engaging in the mission that he has called us to as a church? Uh, Do these hands honor my family? Do these hands honor Jesus? Are these holy hands that I'm raising up to the Lord? Or have these hands been used uh, for sin? Uh, Do these hands engage in sexual sin, in greed, in violence? Do these hands cause anger and disputes? Because again, so much of our pain and suffering that we are experiencing is an extension by what we do. It's birthed in our hearts. And the reversal of that is the encouragement that let's engage with the Lord by raising Hands, holy hands, in prayer without anger or disputes. I want you to jump down to the beginning of that passage because this is what he talks about. He says, I want all men uh, everywhere to pray, uh, lifting up holy hands. And I know, you know, as soon as we hear the word prayer, we kind of want to switch off and uh, we really um, don't like talking about that as Christians. Because again, time and time again, as I've been talking to people, it's like, oh, I really wish I could pray more. I never pray enough. And it's something that we heap so much guilt and shame on us. And we, we, we really battle with this. But again, just to encourage us, we see the life of Jesus. One of the things that he did most and was kind of this fundamental thing to his behavior was prayer. Getting up early. He prayed. Any kind of big ministry moments, he prayed. He, he made it a regular part of his life to withdraw and to engage with the Father. The night before his crucifixion, he spends the entire night engaging with the Father, preparing for the task at hand. Again, when we look at um, the Apostle Paul, we've mentioned so much this morning. If you have read a lot of the New Testament and read his letters of encouragement, Almost every opening bit of his letters are how he talks about how he labors in prayer and engages in prayer with the Lord for the church and for believers everywhere. Just this incredible thing. And just uh, maybe a side note, if Jesus could spend and engage so much in prayer and value the discipline of engaging with his heavenly father and the apostle Paul could engage so much in prayer, maybe there's something there, you know, and an encouragement for us to do that. All right. So uh, go to verse one of chapter two. So 1 Timothy chapter two and verse one. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator um, between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself up as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed um, to at the proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. And I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. 
and a truth and faithful teacher to the Gentiles. Therefore, I want all men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and disputes. If we want to engage with the Lord, if we want to see change in us, if we want to experience a better 2020 for ourselves, for our families, I think there is so much in here that I think we can really focus on and apply to our lives. Again, it's just this engaging. Now again, prayer. For some reason, there is a mystery that God has chosen to use prayer as the way that he works um, mainly in us and in the world. Without prayer, there is no way that we're going to experience all the promises and power that is promised to us as believers. And here's how I want to think this is working. So he lists four things in the start of this passage. He lists petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. Four things. Again, write those down. Uh, Make note of that. Write a petition. We've all seen petitions. Petitions is something that we are actively engaging with to really support to get some change. Maybe you've seen some petitions come through your community estate. Somebody wants to do some building and a petition comes around to maybe uh, allow for rezoning or to stop rezoning or to stop some building. Uh, Maybe you've been in school where you've petitioned to change something. But you know what a petition is. You get some people to sign. You are mobilizing something if you're engaged in a petition. Quite a big deal if you are petitioning something. There's a lot at stake if you want to petition. Our building project, we had to petition the city of Joburg to change things. It was an engagement. A lot of people were around the table when it came to uh, petitioning. Uh, Prayers, that's where you are engaging and talking to the Father um, about things. Prayers, uh, think yourself. God, I need this. I'm struggling with this. God, I I need you to, to act on my behalf. Intercession uh, is when you're doing that for other people. That's uh, where you kind of are done with your own shopping list and uh, bring out somebody else's and start going through somebody else's shopping list for a change when you're praying with the Lord. And Thanksgiving is quite uh, self-explanatory, but that is where instead of asking, you just say, Jesus, thank you for this. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my home. Thank you for everything that I have. So here is the encouragement uh, as he's dealing with instructing and worship and trying to change the hearts of people in his church. So he says, I urge you then with petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving for all people and for kings and those in authority. Very interesting. Who is included in all people? Who's included in all people? All people. Right? And who is included in kings and those in authority? Right? Kings and all those in authority. So what he has done here is given us a way to engage with the Lord in a very specific way for all kinds of people that is actually going to affect our hearts in a very big way. How many times did we get angry at our government in 2019? Right? Who got angry in 2019 at our leadership? Okay. Now, how many of us made petitions Prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving for anybody in leadership in 2019. 
Thank you. A few hands are going up. Not enough. So here's what uh, this is encouraging us to do here. We are angry at the state of uh, certain things. Load shedding started again today. Part of some of our technical issues this morning was we had load shedding when we arrived here at school. But these are the guys who are handling our tax money. They are our decision makers. They are our policy makers. They are doing all the changes and laws in our country. And we're angry at them. But here is the encouragement. Lift up holy hands and pray for them by petitioning, uh, bringing petitions before the Lord, prayers, interceding for them, and giving thanks for them. Now, when we are lifting holy hands and doing that... For our leaders, remember, sinners birthed in the heart, executed in the hands. When we are praying and giving thanks and are thankful, and and there's a different attitude that is in our heart towards them, what's going to flow are holy hands lifted up. And a different behavior and engaging and heart and attitude towards them. When it says all people, included in all people is the co-workers that we really don't like. Included in all people is our boss that is treating us really badly. Included in all people is those hard family members that you just don't know what to do with anymore. Included in all people is uh, our children who we've had the breakdown in a relationship with or the father that we're estranged to. That causes so much anger and frustration in us. But again, the call of engagement and to pray and engage with that, when we are are, are carrying that out, I'm convinced that the change is going to happen in our hearts, which is going to carry out into our actions. Because again, what's the promise in this passage? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Right? So if we want to live peaceful lives, we should be praying and interceding every single day for our policymakers, for our administrators of our tax money, for those in leadership. Because if they are doing a good job, the natural consequence is we're going to be living peaceful and quiet lives. Not in anger and frustration. And if we're frustrated with people, and there are are, are tense relationships, again, praying for them uh, and working towards peace and quiet lives. This is the promise. And again, he mentions something so important for us because this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That at the heart of Um, every single believer is that we've experienced the truth and the salvation of Jesus Christ, right? We know the reality that every single one of us was facing an eternity without God, and now we are in this relationship with him. And as I introduced this this series, is that we have this progressive, ever-increasing, ever-dynamic relationship where we get to know him more and reflect him more because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. That's what we have as believers, and that should be front and center for every single one of us. That's what we want for everyone around us, all people. That that knowledge and that truth should be what we want for our presidents, 
for all cabinet members, for all politicians, for all um, councillors and ward councillors, for all CEOs, for um, all our colleagues, for all um, our lecturers in university. We want that for all people. And so we engage. We engage our living, risen Savior, Jesus. And we raise up holy hands. And instead of being disgruntled and moaning at our brass as we're turning our lamb chops and burros going, can you believe it? Load shedding is starting again. Can these guys just sort themselves out? That we rather are thankful because we're not a country at war. We are free to worship Jesus in public. And that we actually have a level of functionality that some countries would dream of having. And that we can go about our daily lives relatively free of harm. Man, we have so much to be thankful for with our current setup. We have so much to be thankful for. And I am convinced that if we take this practice, this encouragement to the church, that change is going to happen when we think differently about our actions. And that's going to change our hearts. And we're going to see ourselves changing and actually progressing in our faith when it comes from how we view what we do with our hands. Lifting up holy hands in prayer to the Lord. Making prayers or petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. And this affects practically every area of our lives. If you are having trouble in your marriages, I'm guaranteed on this, that if we start applying these four things for our spouse, there is going to be a change in how we view them and how we view ourselves and things are going to change. And so if you are in a space of wanting a better marriage for 2019 or for 2020, lift up holy hands and pray for your spouse. Husbands, be praying for your wives. Bring your wife before the Lord on a daily basis, petitioning the Lord for her. Praying for her, interceding for her, and being thankful and giving prayers of thanksgiving to the Lord for her. Wives, the same thing for your husbands. Husbands and wives, if you're wanting better for your children in 2020, I encourage you to do exactly the same thing. To bring your children and lift up holy hands to the Lord, praying and petitioning the Lord for them, praying for them, interceding for them, and giving thanks for them. Your uh, just living situation, the same thing, your work, your finances. If you bring that before the Lord, again, petitioning, praying, interceding, and not neglecting, giving thanks for everything you have, it's going to change your heart. It's going to change your actions. Praying for our community, praying for our church, praying for our leaders, praying for our governments. This is a very practical way that we can influence the outcome of 2020. How are we going to have a better 2020? We need to make it happen. And how do we make it happen? 
We engage, right? We engage. And let's use what we have been given. Holy hands lifted up to the Lord in prayer, making petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving for all people, for kings and those in authority. Because we have one mediator between God and man, um, our Savior, Christ Jesus. And because we have the knowledge of that truth, that should uh, inform the way that we engage. So I really want you to think very differently about 2020. That we stop moving into a very proactive attitude. That I believe that my Savior is going to make a difference in me and in my community. Because that's what he does, right? We sang the song. Who is the one that has authority over everything? The only one worthy to open that scroll is Jesus. And he did it. He's at the right hand, having authority over everything. So let's engage him in a way that we never have. So right, as we end this morning, let's lift up holy hands unto the Lord and pray this morning. Jesus, I am so thankful for who you are, our Savior. Thank you that you are the risen God who is worthy. Jesus, I want to thank you that I can look at my hands and know that you have uh, forgiven me and redeemed these hands that were used for so much sin. And now, Lord God, it can be used for the building of your kingdom and for serving you in this church and in this community. But Lord God, for all of these hands raised, I pray that 2020 would be a very different year. It would be a year where these hands raised would be a year where these hands are engaged in you like they never have before. That they're engaged in serving their spouses, engaged in serving their children, engaged in serving their colleagues and co-workers and students and pupils. That it would be engaged in hands raised praying for family and for friends and for neighbors and for leaders. That we would experience a better 2020 only because we're engaged in you like we never have before. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us and that you are powerfully working us towards greater um, reflection of you. And so we thank you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.